from the former Convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome filmmaker Dylan Tuchil. Dylan is an award-winning writer, video producer, and filmmaker. While attending NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, a feature screenplay that he wrote won a $10,000 award from the Sloan Foundation. A recent short documentary of his was picked up by Upworthy and viewed over 270,000 times. After 15 years of working with advertising agencies and companies, he's learned how to market content in a media-saturated landscape. His short films have won Best Short at the Inwood Film Festival, Best Director at the Austin Revolution Film Festival, and awards at the Las Vegas Film Festival and the First Run Film Festival. In 2016, he filmed a rare interview of former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger for the French American, French American Foundation. In 2017, he himself was interviewed by NPR's Brian Lair. As a freelance producer and video editor, Dylan has been hired to create content for Ann Taylor, Johnson & Johnson, IBM, Bayer, Berlitz, Columbia University, and Vogue, to name a few. In 2013, his nonfiction book about dreams, A Field Guide to Lucid Dreaming, was published by Workman, co-authored with two friends. The book was translated into 11 languages and is on its seventh printing, selling over 75,000 copies. We're going to talk to him about his work on and behind the camera and so much more. But first, let me welcome you, Dylan, to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's good seeing you. Thank you. Good seeing you, Aaron. Thanks for having me to this uh, wonderful event here. Good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, it's, uh, it's cooling down a little bit outside. We could actually breathe real air. Um, and it's, it's a busy summer, and I'm always juggling different creative projects as, as you're listing off. But um uh yeah feeling feeling pretty good excited for the fall you know how yeah you, how you doing i'm doing great it's great being able to do this still i was telling dylan earlier it's like we've already hit over 100 episodes for this podcast and it's like there's no shortage of crazy talented people in this neighborhood like yourself and so it's great to be able to sit back and going wow yet another awesome person i could spend time with yeah yeah i lived in inwood for a good six years or something and i i miss it every time i'm Back in the neighborhood, I look at just the park and I just see all the kind of my my spots. You know, I had my my spots and I'd just been freelancer. So I lived at home and I'd just spend a lot of the day just walking around different cafes, writing. I remember riding my bike uh, for a few weeks every single day over to uh, what was Indian Road Cafe and just sitting there and writing. And, and it just felt yeah, it felt like a very calm place to, to be a creative person. It was. Which is what, what as a... I'm one of those sensitive, dark, creative people. You need uh, you need some quiet. You know, Midtown isn't always helpful. You know, you need some trees help just to calm down the the nerves. Well, you're not too far away. That's why I say you're you still frequent for us very often. Yeah, so. I, I come a lot, and I feel like I'm still kind of a semi-resident because uh, I'm involved so much with what you got going on, and I've got a lot of friends in the neighborhood and yeah. working other creatives so yeah we're going to touch on that too still got um, my roots here that's right that's right well let's go back to the root of the root here um <laughs> the tunnel which was the first film we ever did with you at inwood film festival i believe right we're going way back I, yeah I think we have to yeah I mean, let's go back you know why because i'm being selfish here because it ranks up with one of my all-time favorite shorts Aww, uh and it uh it won an award for excellence in filmmaking at the inwood film festival i believe um, and we're going, it's going on, we've gone on to present at our outdoors, I believe we did once at our film, Fresco and our short film Fridays during the pandemic. I think we put it out there as well, perhaps. 
times. Um, can you tell me, I mean, can you, can you tell I'm passionate about the film? Uh, <laughs> can you tell our listeners, what was the spark that inspired that screenplay? Yeah, so, um, so the movie, f- for all you listeners, is a, about a um, about a small person, basically a, a little plastic figurine that comes to life within a railroad train set and is now sentient and just a human, but um, he doesn't really know where he is. He doesn't know what a what a train set is. All he knows is that he's, he's come to life, and now he's living in this plastic world with a bunch of plastic figurines. N- nothing else is sentient, so he has to just kind of like create his own reality and make do. And we that's not all so much clear, maybe, for some viewers until the end of the film, but that that is kind of the mystery that we end up solving, hopefully at the end, if, if people if people get it. Um, but yeah, with the spark that inspired it, I think I had the idea of um, of of that idea of a of, of figurine come to life, someone living, a miniature person living in a miniature world, but I remember putting it into my kind of like idealist and saying, I'm not going to be able to pull that out. That's like an idea if I get a giant budget for some commercial shoot or whatever it is. Um, but then I think a year or two later, I thought about it. I'm like, well, maybe there's some kind of like, what is a way to pull it off? Just if it were possible, what would be that way? And I started researching around and I found this um, rail, this museum in New Jersey that is uh it's like room after room of these model train set kind of setups and it's just this like guy who made a million dollars in like the original software bubble in the 90s and to decide to put it all into just the like maybe one of the largest world's largest railroad set displays <laughs> awesome. so it's just like you go room after room and you think it's almost over and then it says like you are you've just completed 5% of this museum <laughs> um so I saw pictures of that. I'm like, if I could film those sets, obviously zero budget. If, if, if the you. guy, if the guy will allow me and doesn't ask for money, then it's almost the production value. You know, as filmmakers, are always like production value. How do I get that production value for free? So I'm like, ooh, beautiful production value. It's 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 all set up. I don't do anything. Um, so I forget what order it was in terms of writing the script, but I wrote the script. Um, and then I emailed him, and he's one of those guys that's like, ah, oh, sure, come on by, you know, whatever. Love those people. Yeah, yeah. And then you go and you thank him. He's like, oh, sure. Anyway, I got things to do because he's maintaining this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I shot those plates, you know, special effects plates. And then I had been t- doing an acting class uh, uh, just after I'd been years out of school, but I just thought doing an acting class would help my directing. And there I met the actor Joe Jones, who I just thought was – uh, actually, we started the acting class on the same day, and we both were in a scene work together. And I'm just like, this guy is fantastic. He's got something about him. Um, I want to see him as just existing in this world by himself. He's one of those people that you could read the, the, the phone book, and he'd be interesting. Um, so, yeah. And then the script took shape, and I remember a friend helping me with the script and kind of reading through the first draft and saying, this is kind of the Plato's cave allegories. It's, it's someone who suddenly comes into a new level of sentience and looks around them and but has to then hopefully leave into the real world um so yeah that's where it came from so through a a few different kind of special effect techniques that we came up with 
um, we placed Joe Jones into this train set world. Oh, and Joe Jones has gone on to have a great career. Like he was in Daredevil, I he, think recently. He uh, was over yeah. the past couple of years and other things too. And uh, I remember him at the film festival though. He was a delight to have. Yeah, he was, he was all all worked up. Um, yeah, he's one of those sweet guys who will call me every year or two just to check in and be like, "How's it? Oh, how's it going, Dylan?" You know? <laughs> As That's a, a good Joe Jones impression. Yeah. Oh, Dylan. What's up? What's up? <laughs> well, you you write a lot of your films. Um, you don't like have a team that writes with you and like that, right? You, you the kind of idea kind of resonates with you and you write uh, for the most part. Um, uh, but you do work on other projects. We'll talk about too. But there's certain elements that you check that has to check the box for you in order to pursue an idea to make it a great screenplay. Because I feel having run a film festival and work with many filmmakers. That's always kind of the Achilles heel for a film. It's usually not the talent. It's usually not the, um, the bag of tricks, so to speak. I mean, sure, if it's bad sound or something like that, that's a technical thing, and you can just chalk that up to just not doing what you should have been doing. But usually um, the fault, dear Brutus, is in the story, not ourselves, it seems to go off the phrase. Uh, so do you have any things you look for when you're writing your screenplays? Yeah, it's funny. I think part of the work of an artist is you have these instincts. Hopefully you have these these directions that you're pulled in instinctually. And you're like, I find this stuff interesting. Like, for example, I'm finding that a lot of my stories feature homeless people and sort of a homeless character or an intentionally homeless character. And I've always had even more ideas than I've made that involve something. I'm like, why? You know, you don't necessarily know why. I don't I don't even necessarily know why that. But But so some of the work is to then over the years, try to articulate and figure out why you're drawn to those things. Because if you can figure out the why, then it's easier to kind of be intentional about the, the things you choose. And, and it, it just is, is helpful to know, the, trust your instincts, but also know why, somewhat know why the instincts are there. So mine are, I've realized, um, and especially now, like trying to combine uh, things that are very, feel very real and grounded and, and, realistic and yeah real with uh with things that feel magical so to kind of the contrast between those and the the dance between those and i always liked fantasy and sci-fi and those kind of genres um but i also like dramas and character-based stories Mm -hmm. and i think that it's it's what i'm drawn to and i also feel like i don't see enough of that where you see either the 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 disney um marvel very Hollywood magic, uh, which is also fun. I enjoy a lot Harry Potter. And then you see, you go and you see the gritty 45 minute short film that's just about a guy living in a house. And those are both great, but I, I kind of feel like the combination is something you don't see a lot. And to try to bring like gritty realism or groundedness to like some kind of magic. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of a, a thread. The heightened uh, realism, maybe some magical realism in there as well to kind of combine both the yeah, ideas. Magical realism or, or straight up magic. Um, and that's, that's uh, describes some of the ideas I'm working towards in the future too. And also getting more and more into special effects. And like, luckily I actually find that stuff really fun to do. So uh, if I'm able, I'm like, year by year trying to get better at the actual technical CGI and all that so that I can pull off what I'm describing, pull off that magic part of it. And hopefully that will be, you also have to ask yourself what's going to like catch people's attention. That's going to stand out a little bit. And maybe that, that shouldn't be your starting point, but it's got to come into the conversation. So uh, I think that's one thing if there could be special effects, but they're not Marvel, they're something different. And learning how to do the, or this, 
if not being able to execute the special effects, your working knowledge of it informs perhaps the way you're kind of storyboarding, right? Mm -hmm. In a way of saying, oh, I could possibly do it this way. Yeah. Um, or find someone to do it this way because I know it could be done even though I just don't have time to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm waiting for the day where I could pay someone so all I have to do is figure it out and let someone else. <laughs> but that day is... Well, has yet to come. You're on your way, though, I yeah. feel. You're on your way. And, well, and using, try to use camera tricks, too, like in the tunnel. A lot of it's just, you know, shooting Joe with uh, the the most depth of field as possible, or the uh, shallowest depth of field as possible to kind of, like, match the other. Sh so it's not all super advanced, but it's just having a knowledge. It, it's, it, I'm a nerd for it, so it's it's fun. But that's magic in itself, knowing those it, tricks, right? Yeah, yeah. It feels like that sometimes. That's the fun. Well, like I said... Um, this, that was your first film in the festival, but you've gone on to, to collaborate with local filmmakers, uh, Brian Miller, one, um, Adam Elliott, another, uh, to create multiple works, such as The First Time I Saw You, another one of yours, uh, Best Man, uh, which was, I believe, originated with Adam, and then uh, currently Giant, which originated with Brian, I believe. Um, you guys seem to create a team that's pushing out all kinds of great work. Um, how important is it to have like a a team of people you can go to support each other's ideas and be able to bring them all to life. Like you all bring something different to the table that support each of your point of views. It's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I gotta give a shout out here to Inwood Artworks because we met, um, Adam and I met on stage being interviewed by Brian Lair as part of, uh, the, um, uh, the film festival. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then we just, I think had coffee a week later and, and now we've made like I don't know, five or six projects together. We're working on new things. We're going to be shooting a little short documentary of Adams uh, in a few weeks. Uh, we, we've got new things in the works. So we're, yeah, it's, it's, I've, I've always been kind of looking for it because it's a, not only is it a collaborative artwork uh, medium and it's fun to collaborate, you kind of need it. It's just a lot of work and you need different perspectives, different, like Brian, for instance, is just like um, one of those people that I could bring anything to and he'll always have some new insight into it, see it from a different angle. Uh, and often, like immediately, like, you know, you, you're like, it's the classic thing. You're like alone in a room for weeks or months and you're like trying to figure this thing out all by yourself. And you're like, I don't want to show anyone yet till it's done. Okay, I'll show Brian. And he'll immediately be like, um, great, uh, it's great, this, this, and this. And you're like, I didn't see that. Those are exactly... The things that are needed so um yeah we all do, we all could think we could do it all alone but we, we none of us can. stronger together and you yeah, and the, yeah. the complement complement to each other skills yeah and, Br and brian's also whiz with production like i'm uh we've talked about this me and him a few times but i'm realizing year by year that i'm not built for production i i will endure it but i'm just just uh my skills aren't but he's he's like a a kind of a gentle soldier during production he's just like someone who will not tire give him like a 15 hour day which he try not to do but he <laughs> won't he won't show any uh tiredness or anything uh and he'll he's he just knows the gear he's a great cinematographer gotcha um so looking forward to all these projects coming out it sounds <laughs> sounds great it sounds really great yeah, sometimes there's too many but you know how it is there's... i do i do well that's a good problem to have i feel uh well i'd be i think I feel it would be a missed opportunity if we discuss the interview captured with former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Yeah, I don't know if there's much of a story there other than, I mean, I, I don't know if I should say that, but he's, he was pretty crotchety. Was he really? <laughs> yeah, I met him once myself. That's why I was kind of curious. It had to be thrilling to meet him, though. It 
was surreal. He's of uh, a different generation, obviously. Yeah, he was. He, I mean, he was. He was a little bit mean. He's a little bit mean. I won't, won't lie. What was he like when you met him? Um, he was quiet. Um, maybe I caught him after lunch or something. He's ready for a nap. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but um, do you know he's from Washington Heights, though? He is? He is, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, around uh, Fort Triumph Park, like the 190th area of the world. Whoa. Yeah. That's, and did, did he... That's the only reason why I really... Immigrate here up. or was he born here? Um, I think... I don't want to speak out of turn... But he still has that accent, so I thought almost he's part. I don't think he was born here. I'm yeah, gonna, I would, I I'm gonna would I'm gonna guess. go out on a limb and say I, I mean I did. I was like I wish I had the Wikipedia knowledge of going. Oh, it was this date he, yeah. they moved all here. All that, but um, no, I think they 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 came over. Yeah, um, but I remember Brian was with me on that shoot actually, and we were trying to put a lav microphone on him, and it was just this. And we had 15 minutes with him. He's like 15 minutes, and he kept reminding us throughout like. You have 15 minutes for this entire window of time, not just for the interview. And he's like, not just for the lav mic. So we're, we were having trouble with the lav mic, which is trouble is just like you know two or three minutes, but it's two or three minutes out of the f- yeah. total of 15 minutes. So um, he, he got, like there was just this awkward silence for like three minutes as Brian's trying to get this lav mic on Henry Kissinger. <laughs> That's a good story. Um, yeah, and he, I think he kind of snapped at us once. <laughs> uh, sorry if I'm. Bad mouthing an American. No, hero it's not at all. Something. It's just kind of like you know. This is. I think it's refreshing because we're listen. You're a filmmaker and production. We're talking about here literally. So uh, I think there's lessons to be learned in all this. People yeah. I feel like half this podcast is educational for people listening to it for the first time. Yeah, and, and with it, we've done a lot of interviewing for for work too, and a lot. I mean, more of the uh, you probably could attest to that, but more of the art is not less the like filming of it. It's more of like getting the person comfortable and like oh, it's, yeah. uh, making them feel like it's a real conversation, which could be a challenge. Exactly. Like what, right do, you, now. do you have any like tips? Right now, for yeah, instance. yeah. What do you? How are you? You, getting, you didn't even know that, did you? I feel so calm. How are you? <laughs> you actually. Are you thinking, rolling? The thing is that. Exa- oh, yes, we are. Oh, oh my god! Okay. I didn't even realize. I yeah. thought we were just talking. Exactly. See, it's the thing. It's like you have to set the standards and you let the people believe what they want to believe. And just keep <laughs> it going. And he had never. No, he not, not don't think he thinks we're beginning right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, let me, we're starting. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Do you have any tips or tricks? Yeah. Interview. I actually, um, my my tips and tricks. Uh, tricks sounds like so. It's like so disingenuous when you say tricks. It's like we yeah. didn't. We, it's like say tricks. Like we didn't want you here, but now you're here. We're going yeah. to make you comply with our. How are you tricking things. me right now? Um, by by keeping you engaged. Okay. Yeah. Um, but not. I, I actually. I think the best thing to say is that don't like don't prepare and don't think i always have people and you, and you didn't do that either but um there are people who um who are very um i literally got an email this morning from someone who said to me who i invited to be on the, the podcast he goes i don't feel comfortable pouring out my soul i go i don't think we we're going to get that far but um if that's the kind of yeah. conversation you really want to have i go it's probably best we don't talk at all <laughs> Because that's like, that's a little heavy for me, and yeah. like you should probably go see a priest or a therapist. Because right. uh, that's really, uh, I mean, I mean, it was just like, a, you know, a three line email saying, "Hey," and I know this person, and uh, I was just like, uh, "Hey, you're really great," and um, would be, you know, love to have you on the podcast, and I think you'd be really a great guest. And, and that was, was like silence for a couple of days, and then that I'm just like, Whoa. all right. I said, you know, some things you just, it's better off. Yeah, I don't. So, I, so my point is like the bag, the first bag of tricks is avoid avoid people who will really you don't want to push people into anything that they aren't comfortable. In yeah, doing. and and artists yeah. uh, often. 
So I was listening to that uh, new podcast, uh, newish, with uh, Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama, President Barack yeah. Obama. Speaking of uh, American uh, political figures, and uh, Obama says like, "Oh, I, Bruce, when I met you, actually, you seem pretty pretty shy guy. I was surprised." And Bruce is like, "Yeah, well, I mean, our, we artists tend to be shy." And um, the reason we become artists often is because there's a pain in not being able to express yourself and speak yeah. for yourself. And the art is, is that comes out of that. So I think uh, we can be shy. I usually don't um, volunteer too much. I, I, I'm more on that side. But if there's a setting like this and there's a reason, and obviously I'm here to talk about myself, so it's not that hard. But some, a lot of artists probably... It's hard to get there. It can be. Well, thank you for agreeing to be on yeah. this. I appreciate it. But we, we yeah, speak I, I, with I, with the art sometimes. Well, that's yeah. well, and I think that's also the other thing too is that it's not so much about you; it's so much about what you do. And I feel like um, with my background for in as an artist from so many years, um, you know, I feel it's 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 a part of you, and so you are talking about a part of yourself indirectly by talking about your art. I think that's an easy way for people to open up a little more and feel better about who they are. And then, then you get some real feelings out of that, I feel. Right, you know? right. And since it's uh, often these arts are collaborative, that like it doesn't feel like it's just about me. It's uh, Let's say it's one of the films. It's mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm like the, the signpost for it, but there's a lot of people involved. So, yeah, it's, it's, you can yeah. talk about the other people too. Well, <laughs> let's talk about the collaboration you did, your book. Um, the uh, field guide to lucid dreaming. Am I right to summarize? And I mean summary like three, four words. Like it's a practical guide to controlling dreams. Yeah, yeah. And we we use the word control because it's an easy shorthand word. But then we we try to also tell people control maybe isn't quite the right word because even if you have a lot of mastery. So lucid dreaming is you go to just a background. You could you go to bed and you could do these kind of like almost hacks during your daytime hours to kind of prepare yourself for a lucid dream and sort of train your brain and your consciousness to to wake up in your dream and that's eventually what you're able to do you could be in a dream and then look around and say i think this might be a dream and then you kind of test it using a test a reality check they call it and then you realize you're in a dream and it's a very surreal moment and most people who haven't had that experience kind of doubt i was doubtful that it actually happens and you're like oh, is, are you sure that happened and then you have it and you're like yeah it's it's real and um and it's it's a pretty there's a big subculture around it there's a big community of thousands tens of thousands of people in the world who do it and read books on it and share techniques and come up with techniques um so yeah the word control we're uh we're getting to the point where we hopefully can influence the dream and it's really profound to like fly or make something levitate or or change locations entirely and control all that Make a choice make a choice yeah but uh you're not controlling the entire there's still like your subconscious or whatever is is still influencing not manufacturing the dream yeah exactly yeah yeah you're 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 participating in the dream yeah maybe better participating instead of of controlling you're participating in it it's sort of like you're a sailboat and you could steer the sailboat but you're not making the whole ocean correct metaphor we use Yeah. yeah I think it's fascinating, and I don't want to go too far and deep in the weeds in about it because people should read it. It's on Amazon and other <laughs> things too. So, make make the boy some money over here. Buy his book. Yeah. Um, Buy a copy. Make me twenty three cents. <laughs> Jeff Bezos makes a lot more apparently. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, no, please. Uh, if you haven't experienced that and it sounds fun, you should try it out just for the experience of, even if you've had have one in your life, people people really feel seem changed by it. So, mm. I recommend it highly. 
Well, speaking about changing things as far as um, once you make a film, you have to, or a book or um, project in general, um, you have a choice to um, either let it sit on the shelf or you have to market it. You have to get it out there. And not everyone's great about doing that. Um, so uh, what advice can you give to writers and filmmakers out there who are trying to get find ways to get their projects noticed? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm the best person at, I'm a good person to ask about that because it's challenging for me and I could talk to that challenge, but I can't necessarily talk to the way to succeed because if, if you figure that out, please let me know. Um, but you're actually facing it all over and over again. Yeah. I, I have the one thing I'm trying to overcome is, you know, I have the instinct that just once something's done, jump into the next thing because that's, what's fun for me. And that's, that's the joy and the passion is to make the thing. Uh, and, I, the marketing feels overwhelming to me, so I'm trying to push against that. Um, but part of it's it's kind of like feels good when I do take the time to market myself because I think the more I, um, it's comfortable, right, for me to be in the art, make a piece of art, and then just share that or or just put it out there a little bit into the world. Um, and it's comfortable for me to make it because I'm just by myself a lot of the time or with other friends but it's a lot more challenging and vulnerable to put out there in the world. But I think that's why I need to. Um, so, I mean, it, it's tricky for fil- the short film world because film festivals, as all filmmakers know, can be uh, disheartening getting into the festivals, paying all the money to apply to them. Once you're in them, you show up. What comes out of that? Is it what, you know, there's obviously no way to, to get back money you've spent on it. So people could become uh, intimidated by that. And I mean, I think the first answer is just like, I, I do all this because it's fun and I love to do it. So take off the pressure of, of um, this being a road to success anyway. Um, so hopefully success could come from it, but I don't think it's going to come from putting like pressure and making certain ideas just because you, we think, uh, they're especially marketable, but we're not that passionate about them. Um, marketing could come in to even the writing process or the outline, something that might grab people's attention. Like I said, I have a feeling that like magic and special, something with special effects is going to be more attention grabbing, but I happen to really also love that stuff. So I think it's got to obviously start with what you're super burning, the burning passion uh, and then let the other stuff either be way in the background. Um, but then when it comes time to doing it, I, I'm not, uh, so great at, so I'm still, still figuring that out. It helps to hook up with other people. Like Adam is just has more of a proclivity for that. I think he's submitted our, our film, a best man, which he wrote and produced. Um, it was, uh, he did a great job coming up with that film and then he's done a great job marketing it. I think he submitted to a hundred film festivals, which is thousands of dollars and he just yeah. believes in something and the people he's worked with. And he, he really puts things out there and he'll, he'll have ideas. He, I, I don't know if this is a public idea, but um, why not? He, um, for the Tribeca, Tribeca film festival for this mission there, he had a, uh, the movies about a wedding. He had a wedding cake made and then he hand delivered the wedding cake to the Tribeca Film Festival office uh, with little figurines on top. And the only person in the office that day happened to be the programmer. So he handed 
the cake to the person. And the person was like, I, I do remember your film. I'll, I'll take note of this. We did not get into Detroit Film Festival. <laughs> but you got to really respect And that. you got a great story you, out of it, You got to respect that. So I guess the advice would be work with people like Adam who, who, have, an idea, who yeah. have these ideas. But the thing is, like, and then going back to my acting days, you know, it's all about being remembered. You know, I think in many ways too, and it's you're not necessarily submitting is like auditioning in a way uh, for a role when you're an actor versus submitting for film festivals like you're auditioning for the festival in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, except you're showing the final product act auditioning. You're showing you know potential to be obviously yeah. uh, in a show, and um, I think it's it's pretty amazing um, that you're giving a calling card. So next time it comes around, you're Perhaps it's the next film. Perhaps it's two films down the line. Adam Tove. Oh, uh, Dylan. Yeah. Uh, oh, I remember that film. The, mm -hmm. ca the cake. Oh, the cake. <laughs> yeah. You know. And so yeah. there, there's some things that kind of stick out. And I think it's. I mean, we're human. And that's. I mean, I remember writing postcards to people, telling people about what I was doing, and then the show I was coming up. But I not. And why I'd be right for the next show because this my show was right. like their show in some way. And uh, and you hope. I mean. Not necessarily. Sometimes it goes right in the garbage, but or does it make it to them? most of the time? Listen, it's you get your three or four seconds in front of them, whatever they remember, and then they toss it. But late, but it's it's that FaceTime, right? It's that it's yeah. that it's that presence, and you know we're human. We do file things away. Yeah, it, I like that. That there's a long game there, and also the, um, I mean, maybe it's naive, but I have like this uh, idea that uh, if you make something that's so that's so that's that's the best like you make something of a certain quality or that just really gets your soul like whatever your soul across your passion across if you make something that's so that's good enough that it can't almost be ignored so one marketing strategy is just to try to make things that are really 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 good and maybe obviously the world the art world can be corrupt and that doesn't mean someone who's just really good at talking yeah. the talk might do better even than someone who just makes an insanely good film but i know how to make movies i don't necessarily know the talking so that i'll play to my own <laughs> skills and maybe it's but uh, it's sort of like i'm gonna just do what i do and try to get better and better and better and hopefully that also lines up with the goal of getting getting seen um but the, there's there's that's why the inwood film festival is so cool it's not just a one time one year one off thing it's just coming back to the same community over and over and i i'm not part of any other community like that in the in the film world so to how to know okay i'm always gonna have a place here and i'm always gonna see familiar faces and then oh i get to see what what this filmmaker is working on this year it's it's not just this kind of isolated uh lonely kind of one-off thing and you network with a few people in a room once and you never see that again again it's a community so uh what makes a good film festival uh i mean that well yeah thank you but, but the but feeling in, the, in general though. the engendering of community i mean the good ones i've been to have that community vibe and they just seem like they care a lot the fest the programmers show up they talk they care about the films uh the community uh you could just see, you could just see how much work they put in um compared to like we were at a film festival a couple months ago in in manhattan and no programmer showed up to the screening no one talked before it um there wasn't we didn't really have a sense of where we we could like even network or or, or talk to other people or it was just kind of a screening and you show up and the movie comes on so there's a feeling there where you there's the absence of, of that um 
And yeah, I think just a feeling of community. Great way to end it. Well, Dylan, it's been a pleasure speaking with yeah. you here. Um, before we say goodbye, where can people go to find out more about your work? Uh, my website is my name, DylanTuchillo.com. It's T-U-C-C-I-L-L-O, two C's, two L's. Um, yeah, my email address is on the site if you want to email me about any ideas. We always want to find collaborators. And if um, if you feel like you want to become part of the film world and want to collaborate or can uh, can give out a grant or a donation, we always... Uh, we're interested in working with people or you yourself have a script or an idea, uh, let us let us know. Or any awesome. questions, yeah. We'll put that uh, link in our description of the episode here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. You betcha, Dylan. Uh, uh, thank you again for joining me on great. this Artist Spotlight edition of Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in Upper Manhattan. Uh, if you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Uh, many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here for hosting us and to Heightsites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming here by, um, by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate or via Venmo. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, art galleries, and so much more. Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air. Thank you.